Dos Vidania, my friends. It's Riley Bradford, your favorite host on Spoilers Only Please, coming at you again with those plugs. Well, none of you have really emailed us except one of you, so why don't you shoot an email over to spoilersonlyplease at gmail.com. And while you're at it, leave a few likes at at spoilersonlyplease at Instagram. I think that's all the social media you got, so we'll send it back over to the episode. Have a good one. Hey everybody, welcome back to, I think, our 11th episode of Spoilers Only Please. My name is Tate Beckerer. I'm Riley Bradford. I'm Tyler Chavez. And I'm Marvin Van Eyken. As always, the improv introductions go without a, without a hiccup. We did it alphabetically this time. Did we really? Well, yeah, that's my last impressive. name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by last name, yeah. All right, so today we're going to be going over. You got to specify. Hey, can that. I introduce the episode? You freak. No, I was making a point. I was making a point. Oh, okay. It was. Cool. It okay. was. It was a valid point. Okay. Well, today we are going to be going over the movie from 2019. I lost my body. film uh it's on netflix it's got an english dub which i, I mean i watched the english dub because i don't i don't know i feel like if that... oh did you really that was a question well, i was gonna ask off the bat yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get into it um and it's directed by a guy named jeremy clapin clapin i'm sure you say that different in french um and this movie was nominated for best animated feature at the academy awards this past year um I'll go ahead and read the description of the plot since I know this movie's probably not like too well known. Um, the synopsis reads a story of Nafel, a young man who is in love with Gabrielle. In another part of town, a severed hand escapes from a dissection lab, determined to find its body again. Hence the title, I Lost My Body. So yeah, let's let's get into it. What were everybody's general thoughts? I think we do have to go over, like Riley was saying, did you did y'all watch the dubbed version or the sub version? I watched the original sub version in French. I also watched it in French. I started watching it, my Netflix automatically dubbed it, and then five minutes in I went, This is a French movie. They're speaking English a little too much for this like I was confused, and then I checked my audio settings and I went, It's dubbed. And then I changed it to the French and put subtitles on. Oh yeah, I watched the whole thing in English, so I guess I'm, you have to rewatch it now. I'm an idiot. Rewatch yeah. it and then we'll. Well, record. I, I actually don't remember um, whether or not I watched it in French, but you know, I was like the first. I I've seen this movie before. I watched it prior to the Academy Awards, and we can get into my opinion on what happened with the category. But um, no, I oh, thought yeah, I thought like while watching it, even though I watched it in English, I was like, you know because the movie kind of highlights a lot of different um, human ailments. You know, you, you have uh, disabled people, missing limbs, you have blind people featured in the movie, you have uh, people with sickness. And I was like, well, like, I feel like if somebody were watching this and they were deaf, deaf, because I knew the movie was dubbed. I don't know why I didn't switch it over, but like, I feel like it wouldn't matter that much because it's such a, 
well-told visual story. And that was, yeah. that's my main thing about this movie. Like everything down to, you know, it's still cinematography, even though it's animated, in my opinion, is based around this guy's hand. And spoiler alert, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's pretty clear from the beginning, but the kid, the guy who loses his hand is the main character. And it's kind of a non-linear storytelling in between his hand's journey to find him again and kind of his journey moving up to the point where he lost his hand and the aftermath of that. And it dips into like his childhood and stuff. And it's all these memories that the shots are really oriented around his hand and, and makes you kind of feel like, oh man, I've done so much like with my hand. Like you don't think about what it would be like to lose your leg or to lose your hand or whatever your arm in any kind of situation for this character. It was carpentry was the situation, but you know, you Mm -hmm. like, one split second of running your hand through a saw blade and your whole life changes and all those memories that were kind of attached to his hand that like you know you don't really think about like learning to play piano running your hands through the sand on the beach like picking up shells and stuff um like one one shot that i really like there's a sequence where he's climbing to the top of this building and his hands just the camera is static and it's sitting there and it shows the the handrail and his hand like just, you know, it doesn't move with him. It, it kind of just, it's centered so that you, the, the thing your eye is drawn to is his hand. And it's, it's just so interesting to me and so beautifully done in my opinion. So that was my favorite part of the movie. I'll let you all talk. Now. I was going to say, adding on to the favorite shots, uh, mine was similar. It was this, I love, I love, love, love the movie. There was a, uh, like when the hand finally finds the body and he's sleeping and the hand sort of puts itself where it would be if he was sleeping. I thought it was just like one, just like so one beautifully just composed, but also reminded me of sort of, you know, a lot of people who've lost hands and stuff like that talk about that phantom pain. And like sometimes, especially like they, I think a lot of them will refer to like when they wake up and they forget that they're missing their hand and it just looked like he had his hand for a second, but we and he have that knowledge that his hand's not actually there. And it was just so interesting. And I still, I just watched it right before this podcast. So I'm still sitting with like, I think the, the similarities of the two storylines, like how they parallel, like with him searching for this girl and the hand searching for him. And I'm still not sure, but I, yeah, I really liked the film. And I thought it also was just, it didn't talk down to the audience at all, which I really enjoyed. Like visual, like Tate was saying, it's such a visual movie, but the visuals really tell you stuff. And it doesn't, it didn't feel a need to just like, overload you with exposition or anything you just like see these small little details and it's so good at showing them and telling the story without really any exposition besides some quick visual shots i guess you could say it didn't hold the audience's hand Ooh, good tyler very nice very nice thank you thank you uh with that we're gonna end the episode there guys (laughs) uh thank you for listening this week uh i'm actually retiring from the podcast (laughs) now um, yeah, but I, out of embarrassment or, or pride? Oh, pride. <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm batting a thousand at this point. Like, it's, it's all down. Why can't it be a little here. bit of both? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Tyler, what did you think about the movie? I loved this movie. So I loved, I love animated movies, especially um, more mature animated films, because we really don't see a lot of that, um, which is that a shame. a lot of things, I will say. Yeah, I know. I, you know, phrasing, <laughs> but more, you know. I, oh, I was thinking about that while watching the film. I was like, how can I say I enjoy 
adult or mature animated movies and not have it sound bad. Take it as you will. <laughs> but <laughs> take it as you will. It's up to your interpretation. Guy. Yeah, take it uh, audience oh interpretation. <laughs> Oh but God. I love this film, and it's very rare we see films like this at all, let alone in the States. Um, and I was really happy that I got to watch this. I loved, kind of related to the cinematography of it, because um, there's a lot of animated films that deal with, like, the, the small world, like, the that smaller world. So, like, Toy Story kind of does it, The Secret World of Arietti. This yeah. had big Ratatouille vibes. Oh, Ratatouille does it a lot. But I love that this was through the perspective of not, you know, not a, a human that is just small. Because then we get an idea, you know, you still get an idea of how a human interacts with the world. But just a hand interacting with a smaller world. Like when it's fighting off the rats in the subway. Um, I thought it was just a very interesting idea. And I think it would have been really interesting like how they animated that and how they drew that and thinking of the anatomy of the hand and how it moves and interacts with the world um and i love the story there's a lot of layers to it um like Riley was talking about with the parallels between the hand we're trying to get his way back him trying to find this girl there's a lot of layers to the story and like i just i loved it i adored it um I literally had never heard of this film before, which I think is a shame. Um, and it really just want to makes me watch want to watch more films like this. Yeah, you mentioned the anatomy of the hand, Tyler, and I do just want to point out um, the hand is entirely controlled by tendons and ligaments and muscles that run through through the forearm. So actually, this movie is not realistic at all. <laughs> no, no one should watch it. It's just, it's totally inaccurate. It's anti-science. To Anatomically how, incorrect. To how yeah. hands move. Um, no, but I agree. I, you know, Tyler, you're mentioning the smaller world, and I, I just wanted to also point out, like the when the hands moving around, like the sound design of the fingers tapping on different surfaces is just absurd. Like how good it is. The sound design that, in this was, movie is really good. The soundtrack's really good. Yeah. It is, uh, you know. So I also, yeah. when I suggested this movie for the podcast, I I deemed it a very Arvind type movie. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing what you think, Arvind. It was a very me movie, and you you told me about it months ago. You told me months ago Probably to check out I this movie, it, and I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. I never did until um, last night at midnight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My God, though, it is beautiful. It is beautiful, and it's so fun. Well, maybe not fun, but it's so interesting watching the whole thing play out and seeing the events that led up to the separation of the hand from the body. And one thing that stuck with me and one thing I started thinking about a lot was, I don't know, this kind of maybe symbolic message of how many lives we touch, whether we're aware of it or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Like just the little things that happen in life, just the, like the baby, the one scene with the scenes with the baby where he just puts the pacifier back in the baby's mouth. It's literally the hand touching this child's life or the piano. Like it's literally touching that man's life in a way. Right. But it just made me think about all the little things that we do day to day and how those things add up and how all of those things impact the people around us, even if we never see those people again. Right. Like a butterfly effect kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really this movie has a lot of messages with it, and I will say it's like very 
emotional movie. Like I, I remember watching this the first time. I think I, I cried at the end or something. And I was like, I mean, it's not even that like the end of the movie sad. Like you're not even super invested in the relationship between the two main characters. Like, I mean, it's a huge plot point of the movie, but like, it's not really you. I think there's an understanding that it's not what the movie's about. Yeah. Um, and at the end, you just, I was just thinking about like, dang, I don't want to lose my hand. <laughs> like this dude's like 20 something years old. Like he probably thought he'd have his hand for the rest of yep. the And so it's just like how one thing can happen that it's so different. Also, I just to be a little playful with the movie, I guess. What did you think about like this major stalker as the main character, like trying to like, cause he's a stalker. Hey, right? He is. Like, it was a little incelling. Yeah, he's absolutely a little incelling. Yeah. yeah what well, one of my favorite scenes yeah. from I think 2019 in a movie is the scene where he delivers her pizza, and it's like a I don't know what would you say like ten minute scene probably. So it's a pretty big chunk of the movie where he had been in a bicycle crash. He, he's kind of pulling a Spider Man too. Uh, pizza at the time. point of life he's just <laughs> delivering pizzas late even though like he, yeah he's got a moped literally like i was like this has got to be based off spider-man like no way but he tries to deliver her this pizza and he's already late and it's all messed up from getting in an accident and like he ends up talking to her for a few hours and it's just like a really kind of like meet cutie thing and the movie runs with it to an extent but um it kind of like he I guess he just falls in love with her and it's over like the intercom not in person like the intercom of a building where they got to buzz them in and everything and you like you you kind of understand that he likes her but then he like literally goes to where she works or calls every single Gabrielle in the phone book and then like goes to where she works and follows her home and then gets a job with her like uncle or right yeah her yeah. uncle and then, like, tries to, you know, he romantically builds an igloo, which she's in. I think she's just reading a book about igloos, and he's like, I'm going to build one for her. Out of worlds. And then he's like, How do you like this igloo? Also, I am secretly the pizza guy that's been, like, wiggling my way into your life. Like, kind of weird. I right? think, like, I think it that? connects to what Arvin was saying in a way, because Arvin, like you were saying, the hand has all these small moments with all these people and moves on. Um, and I think he's a great example of when you have that small moment, like a great exchange with another human being, it's funny. It's, you know, there's some flirting over the intercom, but then he doesn't let it be. He just decides to make it his, his entire right. life is that moment as opposed to doing what the hand does and move on. So in that way, it's a very hopeful film in that the hand is able to do what he's is able to learn from its master's lessons and like keep, right. keep going. And I also thought, yeah, it's a pretty incelly movie because you got this guy and then you got the, his, his like roommate is like a Chad, like Mr. Like it's his cousin. Oh, his cousin is like sex fiend jock guy. Um, and he's just like, <laughs> why won't this girl understand me? Why does she like my cousin? The virgin now fell. Yeah, like it feels a little like incels <laughs> might flock to this film. <laughs> Yeah, there's even this, the scene where um, his cousin like visits um, him at work and is talking to Gabrielle, and he's clearly like trying to get with her, and and Nalfell's like, oh, get away, like she's mine, and it's like she's not. <laughs> you need to chill. I buddy. thought it was because it's like 
you just never hear sex in the room. Once. Can't you see my note? Oh, and I was just like, this guy fucks. Or yeah. Got... <laughs> Literally, Literally that's our introduction to his, him. With his character. <laughs> I thought it was, was... Uh, interesting too. Like, I agree. It's it's pretty incel And I was thinking about it through the lens of in screenwriting, when you're writing characters, there's the idea of want versus need where your character thinks they want something to fulfill them, but it's actually something else that they need. So in this case, like he thought that he wanted a relationship with her and that if he had that, he would be fulfilled. But what he needed was he needed to find a new outlet to help him overcome. And this is a major, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this yet or maybe slightly a major plot point that his parents died in an accident when he was young. Uh, that did happen. Yeah. The stupid. Girl. And he was, he was a, he was going to be a pianist. He wanted to be an astronaut. And after his parents died, he lost basically that motivation. And he was living with his like really crappy uncle and cousin. So what he needed was to find like this new outlet. And he does. Cause he starts working for Gabrielle's uncle. Who's a carpenter. Gigi. And he discovers, yes, Gigi. And he discovers that, like, he likes carpentry, and he's good at it, and he's finding a use for his hands. So for a while, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like, he thought what he thought he needed was not what he needed. It's this other thing that's helping him find fulfillment and making him happy. And then he brings out the igloo, and he even says, like, I followed you. Isn't that, like, chivalrous of me? And Gabrielle's like, no. <laughs> That was the most incel <laughs> line in cinematic history. I was waiting for that. I was like, don't say like, oh, romantic no. or chivalrous. Just like, oh no. Oh no, don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. But then after that, like he, I mean, he leaves. True. Yeah. It's it's one of those storylines where like, it's just the classic incel where like he falls in love with her and he's thinking about her all the time. But to, for her, like the, maybe the pizza night for her was just like a wine night and she was like i'm gonna talk to this guy like on the intercom for two hours or whatever and he's just like i've had a bad day and this girl's finally showing me some some chivalry or whatever and then like it's just it's just so spider-man it's just so toby mcguire they even it's give so... her like bright colored headphones too oh, yeah and i was like all she needs yeah, is drink in her hair oh. An interesting thing about this movie, like placing it in France, and this is like a very small thing in the beginning that I thought was a cool detail, was um, the guy and his parents are originally from Morocco, and then after his parents die, he's moved to France. Um, yes. And there's a huge, there's a huge, from what I could tell from French 122, a class which I received a C plus on, <laughs> there's a huge wealth disparity between French people and people from Morocco in France because Morocco is a French speaking country, but you see that. And like the girl in many ways, that conversation they have is it's not just about the girl, but it's also about like, he's, he's like, can't imagine living on the 35th floor of a building and things like that. I just thought that was a really interesting, like thing did not make the film about, but just a dynamic to introduce in the film and then sort of just leave there and really place it in modern day France. Her last name is also Martinez, which is interesting because that's not a, French last name, really. You're right, it is not. So, and they well, maybe she wasn't like straight, like European French. I don't know. I the movie is full of subtlety, like, I'd say that's one of its its main 
um, strengths. Because, I mean, in the animation, there's so much subtlety. I mean, you have, like like we were saying, the sound design, stuff like that. It, like So the technical aspects of the cinematography centering around the hand without really forcing you to notice it. And then you have, yeah, like plot points like that. I, I mean, I'm sure there's there's differences in the way the characters speak and stuff like that. I will say this move. I was I was like, how does someone come up with this? Like, were they just staring at their hand one day and was like, I don't want to lose my hand. <laughs> what if I did? And then what if it didn't want to lose? <laughs> if it didn't, if, did it, if I did, it. would it come back? If you right, love it, right. let it go. And I think, <laughs> and I think, um, you know, you have this story with all all these intricate details, and it and it all adds up just to just to be. I don't know. I I was like literally, my opinion. If you were curious, if you've listened this far in the podcast, I dropped the seed earlier. I think I thought this movie was going to win Best Animated Picture. I knew it didn't have the momentum, and I think a lot of us always struggle to understand that it's literally just a Hollywood vote, um, like a voting system. So obviously, Toy Story, big name real emotional for a lot of people and their families. So like Toy Story 4 took home the Oscar, but I really hoped this one would because I saw Toy Story 4. I liked it. I thought it was really well made, Um, but this was kind of like the sleeper and I thought it was going to, I thought it was going to do it because watching this again, I was just like, dude, this is such a good movie and it's, it's so original. Yeah. Um, But it is a book. That's what I was going to say is um, apparently it's a book. I forget what it's called, but it is, at least inspired by, I think, a similar story, at least about the the hand uh, aspect of the movie. There was yeah, there was a monologue in this film that reminded me of another French film that we've all seen, and I wondered y'all's thought. Do you guys, for the viewers, The Vanishing is a nineteen like late twentieth century horror French film, or like thriller French film that like is about destiny a little bit. And he has in in I Lost My Body. There's a beautiful monologue about like how the only way to break destiny is destiny is to do something so completely erratic and just to, to like, you know, change from form and the ending touches on that. And I thought it was so similar to one of the characters in the vanishings monologue about, um, you know, whether or not to jump from a window, like what that would mean for his destiny and for what was planned for his life. And I just wanted to see y'all's thoughts on that. When did he, when did he have that monologue? In the story. And I, it's before, like when they're sitting drinking a beer on the roof. Wait, in the vanishing or in I lost my body. And I lost my. Wasn't it? It wasn't the vanishing Dutch. I thought it was French. It was like multi, I think, because they because the I film took place in like remember. multiple countries. So I think it was that the one where. Oh, wait. That's the one where the guy's girlfriend goes missing. Oh yeah, and then he okay he spends like years trying to find her or whatever and then he finds the guy finds the guy and then he goes spoiler the he gets killed yeah 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 spoiler podcast sorry i know you you didn't sign up for this episode to get the vanishing spoiler free and that was 1980s. the one they, they remade it in the united states and let the same thing it was horrible it. i think yeah i don't know yeah that's, that's yeah, that really oh did they really so interesting. interesting i think like, like Kiefer sutherland was in the remake or something i don't know it was i was gonna i that's awesome. I mean, I guess that's that's a good connection to point out, Riley. Maybe that's there, there's a lot of things worldwide that we don't realize. Like European films all have some similarities that American films don't have, just because you know it's a cultural difference. A lot of 
Asian uh, film as well focuses on different types of storylines because some things are obviously in different countries there's political differences there's um, there's cultural differences all kinds of stuff like that I did I did want to bring up what your all's interpretation of the ending is since we're getting to probably about the two-thirds mark through the episode um, and we got to move on to what we've been watching and recommendations and just uh fun talking um what so at the end of the movie he doesn't get his hand back because that's impossible <laughs> and it seems more like the metaphorical part of the movie so i would have been see like, but is it that impossible considering the hand is sentient and has been going around see, this whole time thing, on though. its if own got attached would it still be its own thing or would or would he have control i don't know it, it, that's that's the sequel we'll leave it for the sequel but um that there's no sequel confirmed that was a joke um <laughs> But at the end, he like makes this jump, which I guess is foreshadowed by that monologue Riley brought up, which is what made me think of this. And he jumps from this building to this like this crane. And it's like, I don't I didn't really see the point in it. And he kind of just sits there with his like sleeve waving in the wind because his hand isn't there. And that's the part I like teared up at. But I don't know why. I think it's just kind of like all the culmination of all the themes of the movie come together. And I wanted to know what you all, what your interpretation of that kind of moment that ended I thought part of that. Because he also rewrote one important thing. Sorry. He, he had recorded basically the moment before his parents died in a car crash. And he overwrites that audio with the audio of him attempting to jump to the crane, even though he'd potentially not make it. So that, I think that's important to note before we go. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I think that goes back to that monologue because he does say in the monologue to her, he's like, I would, he's just like, you have to do something unexpected. Like if I jump to that crane, but it in, in this thematically, what he's talking about is it in, again, this is my interpretation, but I think it's, he's saying like, you know, this, his whole life has been very much shaped by this one, this big event of, uh, the parents car crash and even the hand and him are haunted by these images of like an astronaut and things he thought he could be before his parents died and there's so much going back to there that that was the moment that sort of decided his life for him and meant he was just going to be this cast out uh, guy who things would just happen to and then this girl happens to him and I think then he thinks this is the moment that's going to change my life this is what's going to diverse me from the the preordained path that society has for me but that doesn't work out because you know he's being a stalker and a creep um but then finally him jumping i feel like it's him taking that into his own hands and saying i'm going to take control yeah i'm going to take control of my life (laughs) my parents death the girl me losing my hand none of these are the the divergence from the path this is is me deciding to like take take life like you know, by the reins and just go ahead and do the unpredictable, do the unexpected. Um, and that's what I took the moment to mean. Right. I think that's a pretty good uh, interpretation. Did you guys have different ideas of what was going on? One of the things I was thinking is he's kind of a mild mannered dude. He doesn't really do anything. He's a pretty passive character aside from the stocking, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the hand is a badass. Like, like the hand is in control of its own destiny. The hand is doing the things that he wasn't brave enough to do. And the final scene is him 
finally being brave enough to do it. And then the hand realizes this and the hand realizes that the main character no longer needs the hand. He doesn't need to be there to do these things for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I I agree with both. I think those are both Riley Arvind. Those are good takes. (laughs) Good Um, takes. Thank one you. take I, I do want to bring up to kind of, I guess, wrap up the discussion, like Riley, I think, mentioned it earlier. One thing that happens in the movie is the hand has to, like, fight off three rats or something. Um, and it didn't do a good job of doing it. And I'm, I was like, if my hand was, was sentient, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it could beat the shit out of three rats. Like, it's not like a horde of rats. It's just three, probably like a like a mom and two kids or something, you know, like a bear situation. <laughs> like I feel like your hand could just grab a rat and just snap the neck real like pretty easy. Which know? hand do you have more faith? I just I like he did to the bird. Destroyed that like, bird. Like what did you think yeah. about the hand performance? Well, I know the bird. Yeah, that makes sense though. Birds are weak, <laughs> but rats are kind of like quick, you know, and and like and and you know they're they're not the dumbest animals, and I feel like. What are your thoughts on on that fight? I guess, and do you think your hand could have done better? Is what I think my right hand could. I don't have as much faith in my left hand. Gotcha. That's a good point. I, I stand Tyler. by that. What yeah. if it had been his other hand that got I don't think yeah. the journey because it was his dominant hand that he lost. I don't know. I kind of feel like my left okay. hand could handle it. I actually think it wasn't his dominant hand because he was wearing a watch. True. True. Mm-hmm. You wear your watch and you're not dominant hand. Correct. Right. So, but that's the hand that got severed because the watch is the thing that got oh, caught in yeah. the saw. Can I also say that was I was like really tense during that scene because you just so know, tense as soon as the fly yeah. was there because the like, oh, the, no. the film the film starts one of its first shots is him on the ground after the accident so you know that something happens to him and then you get to the moment with the machine and it it does like three fake outs of when. Uh, his hand could be getting cut off, but you finally piece it together that like, oh, this is when it's going to happen. And then it just fakes you out so many times while he's trying to um, kill this fly, which in of itself is a callback to the very first scene of the film. So many call like the symbolism too of him. I remember when he puts on the headphones like that you wear when sawing something, not only did like, I immediately remember, I'm like, oh shit, in the beginning he had headphones like that. But then I was also like, also halfway through the movie, the girl he saw had different headphones, but they were the same color. And they made point of mentioning that. And I wonder why. And like, it just, I was just like, this is like the, the amount of symbolism in that scene because they played with nonlinear time. I was like, this is the moment that it all happened. Yeah. And then you're just like sitting there and you're like, oh God. And it's not super graphic. Like, I don't know. It's bloody, but it's not like horribly detailed. But I was just sitting there the whole time, like, no, this is where it happens. Like, don't kill the fly, leave it alone. Yeah, because it's the watch that gets. Yeah, so off. he kills the fly. No, it, 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 he doesn't just like run his. Oh, hand he doesn't kill it. It's, it kind of. Oh yeah, you're not right. The way you think it will. Yeah. Um. Also, oh, but, um, any more lingering thoughts on the on the film? Itself? I got one. I have. So you go. You go. The uh the scene where the the hand is in the can of like ravioli. Was anyone else reminded of that chef Boyardee commercial where the can of ravioli rolls from the grocery store to the girl's house? Cause that's all uh, I was thinking the entire time. That, what, what is the food brand that has a glove as their mascot? Hamburger helper. Uh, they have yeah. worked with the film in some way. 
I don't know if Hamburger Helper would have wanted to use an iconic Chef Boyardee commercial, though. That's fair. That's fair. I just but I was just thinking of that the whole time, and I was like, "This is maybe they this is the same scene with the the Chef Boyardee hand or the Hamburger Helper hand." Sorry. <laughs> maybe maybe the hand finds love. That could be a sequel. Maybe the sequel is the hand from this movie meeting the Hamburger Helper. Glove. With the end credit scene being Luke Skywalker's hand. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, hand cinematic, the cinematic universe of severed hands. Yes, yes. I like it. Dude, Captain I didn't Hook, even think dude. about that. Because we always wondered, you know, with the new Star Wars trilogy, you have, you know, Maz Kanata or whatever her name is, the little Lupita Nyango's character whips out the, the lightsaber. You know, they found Luke's lightsaber from <laughs> that he dropped down the pit in, in Empire Strikes Back. And the hand, he just left his hand make at the, the hand bottom. Cling to the lightsaber. So they had to either, they had to pry it out of the hand and then go, what do we do with this hand? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think the explanation in like the encyclopedia or whatever was that like, that they found it in a junk pile. And I'm like, who was like, oh yeah, this, this lightsaber is really cool, but there's a dead hand around it. Let me just Well, the off. junk Knock pile out. means that someone went, Would you I'm throwing the out the hand? lightsaber and keeping the hand for me not gonna lie knowing well who knew it was luke skywalker's lightsaber you know knowing well, how I mean, the, the sequel like, series you know. turned out i'm in hindsight not now surprised that there was not some loophole where um, emperor palpatine used luke's severed hand to help him come back to life in some ridiculous scheme i just wanted a payoff in, in episode nine i thought i wasn't i didn't care about anything other than what happened to Luke's we'll get hand. it then Guys, JJ we'll Abrams it, dropped the. That's ball. actually Taika Waititi's next movie. I lost my hand too. Slash Star Wars Episode Ten. Yeah, he he's doing the movie also, about this, Luke's this... hand. Very cool. Oh, true, true. Well, did Luke? I would have to, I'd have to rewatch Episode Nine. Did Luke's Force Ghost? I don't remember. That's a key detail. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that's he did. Good, that's a good thing. Whoever responds. To whoever emails uh, spoilers only please at gmail.com with a screenshot of that moment in episode nine and an answer to the question that is correct will receive 10 spoilers only please good boy points. <laughs> I you thought we were going to just pick so another one of Riley's that accounts. Is, that is our challenge. You can exchange good boy points for prizes. Yeah, to be we, determined. Yeah, I guess. To be determined. Yeah, t- TBD, but. You can go ahead and start stacking up on those. Whoever feels called, and we'll have a double that. XP um, weekend soon. How? Double XP. If you buy you a can of Mountain Dew, more announcements to yeah, come. Yeah, spoilers on only. Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah, with with discount yeah. codes and everything. So let's. No, no, no. I've got three to... things I need to say real quick. I've got three closing thoughts on this oh, film. Okay, shoot. Okay, One, do not operate um, a bandsaw while you are hungover. Two, do not operate a bandsaw while you are wearing jewelry. And three, this movie did to hands what Quentin Tarantino did to feet. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> how long have you been sitting on that one? That's all I have on the movie. Wait, how? Dude, no, Tarantino just made Did you miss weirder. the Tarantino movie? Or I guess I guess it's one of his lesser known <laughs> ones. It's when all of the characters from his other films have their feet cut off. And they just do different things. Like, they just travel the world together. 
Oh, it's like the end of Sausage Party, yeah. but with yeah. feet, isn't it? Very cool. I'm not going to describe what happens at the end of Sausage Party. I was going to say, party. someone saw Sausage Party? Okay, how dare you? Sausage Party is so funny. Dude, wait. I don't remember like party. anyone talking about it once it came out. Seth Rogen is, is so a good. brilliant man. Yes. I wanted it to be good, and I just never took the time to watch it. Judd Apatow has a new movie coming out. Yeah, King has been yeah. based Davidson, right? loosely off Pete Davidson's like real life. But <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, because he was elected the, the king true. of Staten Island mm-hmm. in real life. So I think that's what it's based off of. He ran on a platform process. of increasing yeah. the garbage in Staten Island. And no Ariana Grande. Yeah, the campaign that... That was a flip-flop. Yeah, he said all yeah. Ariana Grande, and then halfway through the campaign, he went, no more. None of them. Get him out of here. Okay, well, well, let's go on to what we've been watching this week. Arvin, how about we start with you? I've been watching the same thing as I was last week. I watched, um, I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's probably going to be my answer next week, too, to be honest. You can skip me next week if you feel like it. <laughs> um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if you haven't watched it, go watch it right now. Why are you watching it, Arvin? You should, I mean, you should at least throw, like, a Pringles commercial in there or something. Like All right, I'll throw something else in there. I, I haven't watched it recently <laughs> now i watched it a few weeks ago um cowboy bebop it's the best show ever maybe top top 10 okay. of all time my top it's my favorite show of all time it's a sci-fi action noir western comedy kung fu television show it's episodic there's 26 episodes in one movie Go check it out. One season. One season. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do a little bit of what we've been watching and recommendations. That's a good the good way to tackle it. Tyler, uh, the Last you? Dance. It is ESPN's docu series following the career of one Michael Jordan. Um, it's really cool. It's really interesting because they have like so much random B roll of just the players in the locker room, which obviously wasn't filmed specifically for this. But it, I was just wondering, like, what were these B, what were these random B-roll of, like, them in a car, them playing, like, pick-up basketball um, after shooting Space Jam? Like, what was that for originally? Did they just, like, have it around? It's really cool. It's a great behind-the-scenes story of Michael Jordan's career and, you know, just how iconic and big he was. They talked about Space Jam in the last episode, which automatically makes it good. Um, so if you're a sports fan, um, highly recommend watching it. Cool. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about watching that. I'm not a huge NBA guy, but yeah, that's the thing. Neither I've seen, especially that Dennis Rodman. Episode. Neither am I, but like, it's it's just a really good story. I've seen a few. Right. I've seen bits and pieces of it because my brother's been watching it. It's pretty good. As somebody who is not at all interested in sports in general. It's pretty good. Could you tell the difference between a basketball Wait, and there's a difference? I believe one is pink. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Which one? I thought that was tennis. <laughs> I thought they had the different colored ball. Movie podcast tackles sports. <laughs> yeah, Riley, so I've um, been, been watching a lot of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a great show. And I also watched, I think, one of the best films I've ever seen. It's called An Elephant Sitting Still. It's a Chinese film that came out in 2018, directed and written by a film ma- filmmaker named Hu Bo. 
uh, who killed himself before, like right after he finished the film at the age of 29. And it is a four hour long look at four different lives and how they connect in class inequality in China and also depression. And it is just like, if you're ever gonna watch a movie for four hours and you've already seen Lagan, an elephant sitting still is just, it, it's, it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, the re they say the reason that he killed himself was because um, of a lot of fights with the producers who wanted the film to be two hours long. Um, so yeah, it's on, I think it's, yeah. Oh, it's oh crazy, God. but it's also <laughs> an incredible, like one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Um, really, Did anyone lose their hands? I'm trying to think. No, there's a lot of violence in the film. <laughs> so somebody might have lost a hand. Been, okay. I, that's been on my watch list yeah. for a while. I was going to say. I've been wanting to watch that for quite some time. Like I saw when it kind of came out. Lots of reviews. It's came hard to make like, the commitment amazing. to watching the movie for four hours. Like you definitely have to be like, all right, four hours. But, and it definitely feels like four hours. Because again, it's a metaphor de for depression. So it's not exactly, it doesn't exactly feel like it's quick. Um, but it's just, it's good. It's real good. I think I'd rather sit down and watch it. <laughs> is it on streaming? Um, anyway. Yes, it is. If you have Criterion, um, it's on there. Um, I don't have a Criterion <laughs> account, but if you make it to the end of this podcast, I'll happily give you Christian Wallace Driver's Criterion. I was going to say, who has a Criterion account? <laughs> <laughs> Slash Patrick does. Uh, I can send it to you, Tyler. I'll send you a login. Okay, oh, thanks. <laughs> same deal as last week guys those of you who heard the end of last week's episode so that offer is now void by the way go ahead and do yeah we've now created a new offer did it yeah because what if like two like a year from now someone rediscovers that episode no, and emails us and asks for wiley's hbo it's within the week of, yeah of the and the last episode they had two i weeks. like that they had two weeks. It was used by one person whose email I need. I promise you, if you're listening to this, I'm going to send it to you. I just need your email. They emailed us. Yeah, bud. I don't have the login have for the, e <laughs> the spoilers only please email. All right. Spoilers only please. Wait, I don't have to log in either. Get on top of these, <laughs> these rewards. Yeah. We'll I'd like to log in. We're not giving it out on air. Um, anyway, I've been, I've, I really sat down this week and, and hammered out some Clone Wars and I finally got to the new season. Um, <laughs> ah, dang, Clone Wars was a show that took a while. I, I'm that on season four and there are some like, rough patches. Four is kind of where it gets good and yeah. there's still bad episodes, like just boring stuff. I mean, season six was pretty good. I'd say five was the best so far. Six was all right. Only because six also introduced a, a romance uh, subplot for Jar Jar. Oh Binks. hell yes! And Wait, what? Boy, oh boy, was that something? Jar Jar Fuzz. Yeah. Um, another thing I watched this week was a mediocre, I my in my opinion, documentary called "The Art of the Steel." It was about basically like the world's most, um, not not the most famous art collection in the world but this guy like albert barnes he was an art collector um collected a bunch of like van gogh and picassos before they got before they were like deemed like good artists in like the early 1900s and 
um, so he he collected all these. So he was really ahead of the the postmodern art movement, and basically made this foundation and put it in a museum, like a private museum that only like students and teachers of art were allowed to visit. And only like two days a week could the public come and everybody wanted it to be in downtown Philadelphia. I mean, it's this whole thing. And it was so interesting to, to get into the world of how art distribution works and how um, these people kind of, uh, the guy's been dead for forever, but they worked around his will to get it it uh put in downtown philadelphia like because he said it should never be in a museum it should never be on like fully public display and like hmm. it, it was also worth 50 billion dollars all of the art so insane that's but a lot of chatter it was, a, it was an interesting it was an interesting thing and i'm i'm about to watch this documentary uh called eye of the beholder about the art of dungeons and dragons i'll probably do that today so Anyway, any closing thoughts on the episode? Anything uh, you guys want to watch animated movies like this and let's get them the respect they deserve? Yeah, Riley. Riley. Who, which Riley. of us Riley. Really I love. I love this Riley. film. I think I'm in more like like every year. There's like the Academy says like ah most of us don't watch animated movies. And it's like why? Well, they have a they have a category. What? <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're getting a good, they have a category that gets acknowledged. Um, I think this film was great. I think watch films that don't hold your hand like this one is my encouragement to audiences. Doesn't hold your hand. This one doesn't so much that they don't have a hand to hold you with. <laughs> oh Jesus. Okay, well, um, thanks for tuning in. Those who who listened to this week's episode and we will get back to you next week with a new episode movie is currently undetermined but we will figure it out um like always reach out to us interact with us at on our instagram and or email us anything you want emails a funny meme uh we'd appreciate that too uh still working through the coronavirus by the way we need to finish up our 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 um saga True. kim jong-un is not dead I don't know. At, At the time of the movie, so there's Photoshop. No, but dog. they're like holding him up, dude. I think it's like a weekend. Burst. As a Photoshop major, I can I can say that Photoshop does exist. <laughs> dude, I think they're weekend at Bernie Bernie'sing this guy. I think I think he's been dead. I think they're just they're just saying this. We haven't seen any video. Yeah, but even video can be faked now. True. Yeah, deep fake. We don't True. know who's alive deep right fakes, now. Yeah. Are any of us really alive? I think that's no. where we should end it. In a world where they made Snowpiercer. Oh, TV God. Show. No, don't get me started. No. <laughs> hey, there's only one way Eat to babies. survive on a frozen planet, and it's <laughs> on the train. Oh, the movie's very really good. Fantastic. Fantastic. People shit on the movie because it's like I've heard the movie. No, great. It's great. It's a little on the nose, but it's good. It's a really good movie. Right. All right. Well, um, this is us signing off on today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> send us any recommendations for future movies you guys want to hear about. We definitely don't want to just be talking about stuff you uh, 
the audience members don't yeah. care. Also, about. send us some recipes if you have like anyway, um, banana nut bread that recipes you recipes mean yes, like yeah. Art. Send us your hands. Fan art. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, please your do hands. fan art. Make make fan art. <laughs> you <laughs> don't know what we look like, but fan art is for <laughs> the. No, they've literally posted pictures of us. Make fan great. art guessing what we look like. Based solely on our voices, what does each one of us look like? Let us know. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, um, Riley, how about you? Thank you. How about you? Anything. Put this episode down like that. And that's the way it is. I'm Walter Cronkite, and have a good night.